Alright, we're in uh, Hebrews chapter 5. We'll finish this up. And then Wednesday night, I think, is our, our monthly singing. So we'll start Hebrews 6 next Sunday. Greg, you got Hebrews 6, right? Next Without looking. Without looking at your notes, what was Hebrews chapter 1? What are we memorizing? Jesus is better than angels all together now. Number 2. Don't drift away. Don't drift away. Number 3. Jesus is better than Moses. Number 4. Any version of God's rest will be accepted. And number five. Better than a high priest. Better high priest. Awesome. How is Jesus a better high priest than the Levitical priesthood? Well, let me, let me ask another way. What similarities did the Levitical priesthood, Aaron's family, what similarities did he did they have with Jesus as our high priest? Similarity. We're going to look at the difference in a second. They interfaced with God. Uh, say it one more time. They interfaced They, they certainly did God. interface for God, for people. For people with yes. God. Excellent. Appointed by God. They were both appointed by God. This wasn't a voluntary... Uh, thing, I think I'll just take this role over. No, no, no. I was appointed by God, that's true. Intercessors for men? Easy for you to say. Uh, they, were in, they interceded for uh, people. They sure did. Alright, what else? Sacrificed for sins. They both sacrificed for sins. We'll keep that in mind when we get to the differences, but Absolutely. Uh, uh, and in fact, what kind of sacrifice did it take? Blood. Where's life? Life is in the blood. How serious was that? Extremely. It had to be perfect. The yeah. animal that they chose had to be perfect without blemish. What if you just gave, gave, gave the leftover? <laughs> Listen, that thing going to die anyway. Uh, Malachi hit it with a tractor. <laughs> he, he's getting ready to die anyhow. Let's just offer him. Remember, God has a lot to say about that. Take that to your governor and see how that works for you. Not the lame, well. the, the, the blind, and all that. Not well. Or just not coming when we could and just don't want to. We'll take him. Uh, you, let's get right down yeah. home with it. Well, what else... Uh, were the uh, were the similarities? Think of any others. We we had some good ones. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. We hit that mm -hmm. one. Uh, we definitely a sacrifice, John. Neither one of them are from the truck. Well, never mind. Never That's going to be different. one of the difference. You hold that idea. <laughs> never mind. You hold that idea. Both are called by God. Well, called by God, appointed by God. Yes, uh, for sure. For sure. All right, now let's look at some differences. A lot of similarities. Now, Joan. Christ was not from the tribe of Levi. Oh, that's right. He was not from the tribe of Levi. 
He had no beginning and no end. No beginning, no end. And he says he, uh, God says that he was after the order of Melchizedek, which we can go back to Numbers and let uh, the uh, that king and priest. He was king and priest, both of them. That would have been the first. That's a good one, Dennis. He, uh, king and priest. They had the authority to give commandments, but at the, at the same time, they were sympathetic to what people were going through. But they couldn't forgive sins, though human priests couldn't, and Jesus couldn't. Okay. Sins would roll forward if you want to think yeah. of it like that. Uh, what, what, what else? Janelle? Uh, the high priest had to offer sacrifices for themselves first. That's a big one. That's a big one. The earthly high priest, before they could offer it for you and me, if we were living during that time, they had to offer it for themselves. Why? They were not perfect. They were sinners. Therefore, this chapter indicates that the fact that they had to go through what the people went through, were they sympathetic toward those people? Absolutely. So when we get down to the, a few verses now, we talk about Jesus being perfected or completed. We want to go and touch on that, that idea just a little bit. Uh, how else were they different? Jesus' sacrifice was for eternal, and the priests could only sacrifice at best for a year. Yep. One time for all time. He entered the most holy place. <coughs> Not just once a year, on July the 10th, we would call it. 10th day of the 7th month. Not just once a year. Uh, he went he, one time for all time. That's how, that's how much superior he was than, than uh, the, the other high priests. And Jesus gave his life, the other high priests, a sacrifice to animals. Okay, that's true. That's true. Uh, can you think of anything else? Um, the um, well, I just lost it, but I'll think of it if I remember. I'm sorry. Okay. You getting older? Yeah. <laughs> I'm older than I've ever been. But you're younger than you'll ever be. <laughs> you're a good straight man there. Oh, I was thinking of the uh, the way that um, Jesus uh, suffered in all ways. Um, I mean, he, he was obedient to God, but he suffered in all ways. So he can be our high priest and um, basically understand our, our, all of our struggles because he was tempted in every single way. The, <clears throat> when it said that Jesus was perfected or completed or he learned obedience, uh, that, that's that idea right there. Why did he have to do that? So that he could be a sympathetic high priest. Now, the high priest who went into the holy, most holy place once a year and they offered daily sacrifices, all of that. Um, Jesus did, did, did it one time for all time and he certainly, uh, uh, he certainly is empathetic or sympathetic with, with us. Why? Because he was perfected because he was completed, because he endured, because he sacrificed, and he knows how we feel. 
was tempted. He was in tempted all in all ways, like we like we were, mm -hmm. like we are. Now, he doesn't live um, like the high priest. You know, you might have lunch with him on Tuesday after he'd been in the uh, been in the most holy place on July the tenth. Where's Jesus? He's in a better place than that. Where? He's at God's right hand as king and high priest. Uh, does that is that comforting at all? Yeah. Uh, how is that comforting that Jesus sits at God's right hand? I, I get this picture that it, it almost like Father, what do you really mean by this? <laughs> you got to know Homer, and we know him intimately. He's he has these weaknesses and. Mitch has these weaknesses, and Dennis has these weaknesses, but but here, almost like he's whispering in his yeah. ear. He's our, he's our advocate. He's our advocate. He's our advocate. When you go to Romans 8, and it says, you know, it, it explains all of that. I yeah. love Romans yeah. Yeah. yeah, Romans 8 does. All right. Uh, questions, comments, uh, that kind of gets us a little bit up to date. Now, isn't it interesting that we get into... Uh, the Melchizedek and the, the compassion of the high priest in the four. We go all the way through five, and then we get to uh, the tail end of five and six, and it's um, he just sort of goes off on a tangent. That's why I, I lean toward more and more. I've thought about this, Paul. I, Paul does those kinds of things, doesn't he? he? He'll be talking about something, and then it's almost like a semicolon. And then he will run down this all good stuff. God wrote it through through the event. And then in chapter six, he uh, or chapter seven, sorry, he'll come back to Melchizedek again. Only this time he hits it hard. He hits it really hard on Melchizedek. So so what's um, what's the writer's problem starting in verse uh, verse? Um, uh, 12 of chapter 5. He goes on to say, Jesus is better. He's a better high priest. He, he, he's, he's got God's ear for you, by the way. He's very sympathetic. He's gone through all these things. And you get to... Uh, and these people are wanting to do what? Dennis? They're wanting what? Still go back? They want to give up. Great. No, okay. But in, in, in verse 12, he says... Here's where the rubber meets the road. By this time, you ought to be teachers. What's your problem? I feel like he's a little impatient with them at this point. What's the implication of by this time you ought to be teachers? Have they been Christians for a while? Yes. It appears, yeah. Is there anything wrong with being uh, babes in Christ and not being teachers. Anything wrong with that? No. It, it just depends. Depends on what? How long you've been a Christian. That excuse with God only plays for so long. We've all been there as babes in Christ. Some a little bit longer than others. That's all. You know, as long as you're making progress. He likes progress. But eventually you run out of excuses. Yeah, I've been a Christian for 25 years. Well, I, I can't. Really? What have you been doing for the last uh, 24 of those? 
thought his segue into this in verse 11 where he said, We've got a, I've got a lot more to tell you, but you have become dull of hearing because it's hard to explain. And have you ever had the time where you just go, here's a hard subject, I'm just going to check out. It's almost like you said, you're just checking out on the hard stuff. And then he drops into, not only should you not be checking out, you should be teaching this stuff. That, that's right. That, that's a good idea. He said, uh, dull. What's another word some of your versions say about dull? It's, it's the idea is lazy. He said, you people have become lazy. Anybody in here besides me ever become lazy? I suspect all of our hands would go up. Yes. The writer's saying, you got lazy, you become dull of hearing. You become dull of hearing what? You're not a, you're not aware like you should be because you don't hear you don't uh, you don't discern you don't discern uh, so yeah he said by time by, by now you should be teachers and yet you have you have need of somebody teach you is that a commendation no and he, not at all and he says uh, the hard things what did Peter uh, say about Paul over in Second Peter about some of the hard things. Remember? There's some things that are hard to understand. He said there are some things that are that Paul writes are kind of hard to understand. But he called him his brother. So what do we... Um, is that an excuse because something's hard to understand? Uh, what, 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 what's that implying? There are things a little bit hard to understand. He's going to, we get into chapter 6, he's going to say, you all laid these elementary stuff. Baptism, you're still on baptism after five years or ten years or twenty years. Uh, you need to lay those simple things aside. But what's the idea? You better get your nose in this book now. That's what he's telling us. You better get your nose in this book. And it's one of the main reasons they're thinking about going back. That's why they're wanting to go back. Their nose ain't in the book. Well, also they would they wouldn't have all that we have. So they they would they would have heard a lot of like they would have verbally heard a lot of these things. So like they would have the Old Testament where like they should be studying daily, but I mean they get more, this yeah exactly they have more they don't have as many excuses. I mean we have less excuses than they do because we have it all. Okay, um, there's, there's there's some truth to that. Yeah, but they got this letter to read, <laughs> and this letter will be circulated. And he said, you know, it, the reason you're getting weak, people, and how many? Well, I won't ask you to show your hands. But in our lives, sometimes our lives, some lives are like this. Peaks and valleys, and I mean deep valleys. But a lot of us are, are like this. You've got your ups and downs. You know, you, you get all of that. Uh, that. That's probably normal. That's probably normal. But if you're not careful when you're down here, you stop studying. You stop praying. You stop Associating with Christians, you stop, 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 and you go, I don't know why I'm getting weaker. Really? Well, you shouldn't. The Hebrew writer says you're getting weaker because you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And as also said, you're thinking about quitting. The times that I felt that I needed to quit, that I was going to quit. One time I quit for six years. Military and college, quit. You know how much I studied the Bible during that time? Oh, that'd be zero. And you know how many times I went to church services during that six years? A zero. I have no idea why I was about ready to quit. Why I quit. 
really. And God in His mercy got me through that period. And I know some of, some of us have been in those periods, haven't we? Get your nose in the book. We have. We, if you don't, uh, the first time the first time things get tough, you won't quit. But here's know this: it's a big crowd. Christians not perfect, and we we make mistakes, and we. Where you ever you are there, we've been there. Maybe it's just a matter of length of time, but we've been there. But you can't stay there because when things get rough, like it was was for them, and when things get rough in this country, and they're going to, you can quit or you can, as I used to say, my football coach, you can bow your neck and just hit them a little harder. During times like that, I think of what Peter, and I've never been way down there often, but I think of what Peter said when, when Christ asked him, um, you know, who am I? He said, Lord, to who else could we go? Uh, and you've just got to stay with the Lord because there's nowhere else to go. Maybe you don't feel like it. Maybe you don't feel like He's with you or answering your prayers, but there's nowhere else to go. Okay. True. But in verse 12, when it says, You ought to be teachers by now, and yet you have need that you, you be taught again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. What are some, what are some implications of that? If, if I am not growing, and I am not... <coughs> maturing and I still need milk how much help am I going to be to others? Not much. Not much. Not much? Not much? Because I'm still looking to see what the church can do for me. What people can do for me. What are some of the magic words in that? Not about me. <laughs> One, I think once we get to the maturity level, we're going we to fall occasion. I get it. I get all that. Once we get to the, to the point where we understand it's not about me, and the best way to, to get there is do something for somebody else. Do you think that's true? Do something for somebody else. It takes your mind off you. And helps others. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Is that easy to do? No. No, it's not easy to do. It's easier to sit in your recliner and I hope somebody will go take care of that. It gets easier when you get rid of the old It used to be, let George do it. Well, uh, maybe you ought to do it. Do we, uh, go ahead, Greg. I was just going to say, and what's a great point, and think about this first. When you ought to be teachers, the very act of being a teacher is about others. <clears throat> so you as a Christian should have progressed so that you are skilled in the Word so you can teach others how to get through this. You're not there. And it's and I think you nailed it. It's the selfishness of it's about me. Yeah. Now I'm going to quit because it's getting too hard for me. Get too hard for me. 
that little two-letter word gets in the way way too much. Now, do we have, as individuals, do we have influence over some more than we do over others, or with, not over, with others? We do. Find out who those people are that you have influence with. And work with them. Well, I, I can't do it. No, you can't do it all. Uh, Jesus had 12 apostles. He looks like he favored three of them. It didn't mean he didn't love the others. He had, I don't know, maybe their person. Who, who knows Who knows about all that? Uh, but he did. And the Bible is very clear about that. We don't like everybody the same. But we love everybody. Some people rub you the wrong way. I've been told I do that occasionally. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so, some are a little more forward than others. Some are a little more quiet than others. That's not wrong. It's not wrong because you're a little quieter than everybody else. It's okay. <coughs> Find somebody else that's quiet. And see if you can work with them a little bit. Maybe become friends with them. And some of the others, you know. But find somebody or some bodies, and try to encourage them. Try to encourage them. We, we have a lot, a lot of good people in this church that do a lot behind the scenes. And you know who knows about it? Nobody. Well, sometimes. But um, you just do it because it's the right thing to do. You post it on Facebook, well, I've got your reward. I hope you enjoy it. God said, look for things to do for others. Well, if nothing else, most of us are on Facebook, and <coughs> the sermons are there that we can share. And I, I do that every week, and I have had so many uh, responses from people in other states even thanking me for sharing that wonderful message. That's so what you can, That's what can, you can do. Then. We can do that, yep, yeah. Yep. I won't quote uh, who said this, but uh, uh, she's in this room, but... Um, in, in our new group we've got formed of the ladies, over 40, we'll call it. She said, after our last meeting, she said, I think I have a greater appreciation for these ladies and, and, and what they go through sometimes. And it takes a little bit of the sting out of everything I'm having to go through. And it's made me more empathetic and sympathetic toward, toward others. Isn't that correct? It is. So, but you don't know that to your own, right? Uh, let's, like somebody said, let's just get real. You got to be around people, and sometimes you're gonna get your nose bloody being around people. You're gonna get your feelings hurt being around people. But get around them. Gotta do it, Margie. I got a very lovely gift from my secret over forty lady. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who it is, but I certainly appreciate That's awesome. it. That's awesome. And one of our goals in this group uh, is to help. We're going to start helping those in our group, in that in that group, right, Margie? Yes. And evidently somebody's done that already. Who did? I don't know. Don't care. God knows. You don't even know, and you were the recipient of it. That's awesome. Somebody was listening to old Mitch anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but it was good. It's a very good group. Paula, did you think? 
I thought I thought it was a good group. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Okay. Well, I digress. Um, questions or, or comments or thoughts on that? About is there any doubt? I mean, you can look at. Uh, in fact, maybe we'll do this. I'm going a little bit faster than I thought I was going to do this morning. Spiritual maturity, just to emphasize the importance of spiritual maturity. It's not optional. I'm afraid sometimes we think, well, you know, the elders or the preachers, well, maybe the preacher does know more than, than I do. Okay, well, good for him. But we have to mature. And if you're not maturing, it's, it's time we started. Started. Now, reading this Acts thing every day for a week is a good start. It's a really good start, Luke and Acts. I'm enjoying that myself. Uh, there's more to it than that, but that's a good start. Like, well, I don't know where to start there, Johnson. Well, start there. Uh, read it, and then uh, try to understand it a little bit more in that particular chapter that week. It's, it can be more than reading. And then try to maybe memorize one of the top, top things uh, in, in, in that. And that's a good start. Scott. Yeah, I just think it's interesting. I like um, in, when it talks about maturing here and having solid food. It reminds me of how Paul talks about in First Corinthians thirteen about love and about how when you can when you're truly loving, you you mature and you you don't act like uh, a child anymore. And how the things the way he used to act and then the how he learned to mature and love properly the way God wanted, wants us to. Uh, that's a good, really good point. Always a good point. Look at verse 14 before I get to my maturity thing. I want to, because this will tie into it. When it says that those who by reason of use, what does use stand for? By reason of use. In the Greek, that word is where we get our word gymnastics. Gym, not gymnas or whatever. Gymnastics. We know what gym gymnasts do. They exercise, don't they? Put me up on that bar. Number one, I couldn't stand on it. Number two, you had to pick me up and take me off after I They exercise. God is saying here, you folks need to exercise what? Your mind. By reason of use. By reason of use. Um, have their senses exercised. Now notice. To discern both good and evil. What does discern mean? Discern. Recognize. To figure out. Alright, to figure out. I'll go with that. What else? Test. Test. Okay. Differentiate. Differentiate between what? And this and what he's warning them about. Good and evil. He said, if you're not studying, and he said, you folks are not, a lot of you, you're not going to be able to determine, to differentiate, to test good from evil. Why? Because you're becoming very weak. You, you can't, you've got to be able to differentiate good and evil, uh, the writer's saying here. And you can't do that if you're not spiritually mature, or it's difficult. Unless you're spiritually mature, right? Connect that back to chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. The Word of God. What is one of the things it is? It's a discerner of the false intents of the heart. That two-edged sword is all about 
Discerning. Discerning. I guess we're the, what's that called in the in, in the previous sword chapter? of the spirit. Sword spirit. of the spirit. The word of God. Yep. Yeah. That's I, mean, I think to your point. In the word is that exercise is how we learn to discern the way God discerns. Excellent. If we fail to grow, are we more prepared or less prepared to face the trials that come our way? But less or less prepared we don't there, realize there's no other way to love we don't realize how strong satan is if we're not prepared and that's what he wants that's what he wants that's what he wants um someone turn i've got four or five here i'm going to let you read them out loud ephesians 4 13 there may be two or three verses after 13 that's okay to get complete the thought but Ephesians 4.13, Colossians 1.28, Colossians 4 and verse 12, and James 1 and verse 14. James 1.14, Colossians 4.12, Colossians 1.28, Ephesians 4.13. Uh, talking about maturity, spiritual maturity. And while you're looking, by the way, we got a lot of babies here now. One of them right here. Now, has he started eating steak yet? How come? His system is not mature enough. Now, if he's 12 years old and all he eats is drinks his milk, well, there may be something wrong with him. Okay, we all get it. God does. He says things so simply for our minds. We understand the steak and the milk thing solid food, uh, and so on. Okay, um, Ephesians 4.13. Uh, Tom, Tom's got that one. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Read the next one or two. I believe it goes to the other time. Right. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men <clears throat> in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Boom, there you go. There you go. If you're spiritually immature, and if you're there, it's okay. Just don't stay there. Are we going to fall for stuff we shouldn't fall for spiritually? Every, every, every new thing that comes along, sounds good to me. That's the danger of that. So those, those are good. Ephesians... Ephesians 4 is very good. Colossians 1.28. Okay. okay, Lisa. Then we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Maturity in Christ. Uh, Colossians 4, verse 12. This three chapters over. Uh, Epaphras, who is who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you always, struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Thank you, James. 1 and verse 14. Uh, Michelle? But each one is tempted when he is dragged away, enticed and baited to commit sin. By his own worldly desire, lust, and passion. 
we're tempted when we when we and we yield to temptation when we're weak. Mm -hmm. we're, we're too much in the world, not enough, mm -hmm. not enough uh, in, in Christ. Mm -hmm. Now there are lots of others. Those are just ones I picked. All right. When when God uh, through the Holy Spirit <clears throat> mentions things once, is that important? Once. Boom. <laughs> Absolutely. What about twice? Three times. Four times. Fifteen times. 20 times in the New Testament at least on maturity. Is he serious about us being more mature? He is. He is. Now here's a question. You may be thinking, I don't know how to study the Bible. I don't know how to be more mature. Get with some of us. We can help you. We're even thinking about next year in one of our classes being I'm just paraphrasing, but how maybe to be more spiritually mature, how to study the Bible, how, 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 you know, all these things. I think sometimes we, uh, maybe as, as older Christians, we assume too much, you know. person got baptized, well, I guess they're in good shape now. Well, they are in good shape now. I think we forget where we were when we were baptized. I didn't know come here from Sikkim. <laughs> It can also be overwhelming with like how much you feel there still is to learn. Yes. And you know, trying to keep up with you know, like this class or the weekly study, but yep. then also your own stuff that you are wanting to get to know. And then it's like, where do I start? If I, you know, like how much time is enough throughout the week? Or you know, feeling guilty of oh, I didn't quite get to that. Is that okay? Or am I, you know, like. It's okay. Hard balance. It's okay. Remember, uh, in, in chapter 4, what did God say about His Word? It's quick and powerful, and He can discern every thought and intent of our heart. He knows where your heart is. And He knows you're trying. And He knows you're not going to swallow this big horse pill all at one time. You eat an elephant one bite at a time. You need an elephant. But boy, you better make it small bites, and you better be coming for a while. <laughs> it's going to take a while. So, you never get to the point, Greg and I have talked, had many conversations, along with others, you know, I'm old. I, the more I learn, I feel like I don't, I don't know very much. I need to be learning more. You know how long it takes to learn this? About a lifetime. About a lifetime. So, the last thing God wants you to do is to anybody get discouraged because you're trying. You're trying. He knows we got families. He knows you got job. He knows all that. All he's saying is, give me a little of it. Give me a little of it. And tomorrow, guess what? Give me a little more. I think that's the key. That, that's such a wonderful uh, uh, thought there. And so the last thing any of us want to do is anybody get discouraged because you don't know enough. I don't know enough. Never will. Never will. Never will. That, those are good practical things. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, was that first or second? That's second. Oh, that was the second. <laughs> Don't talk too much. <laughs> all right, we'll do uh, chapter six. Thank you for all your wonderful comments. Uh, chapter six next Sunday.